Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another brand new episode of Out the Box Talks. I am your host, Krill. We are back as usual for another special episode, right? This is episode 74, and uh, I'm really excited to have the guests that will be, you know, in the space. I was going to say in the building, right? But in the space, the virtual space with me tonight. Uh, this brother is no stranger to the platform. In fact, I did an interview with him last year around August 2020. And he has been making a number of moves since then. And he's done something really, really dope that I couldn't help but to, you know, talk to him about and give him recognition about. So we're going to talk to this brother in a little bit. Before I do that, I do want to shout out, you know, some of the things going on without the box. So always remember to go check out our website. So if you are new to out the box media, make sure you go visit our website, outtheboxmedia.com. We have a plethora of episodes ranging all the way back from 2009 with the TV show Out the Box TV on this YouTube platform. And we've done so much since then. So you can find a lot of our, you know, previous episodes and interviews with multiple hip hop artists on that website. So as you see, I have the website up on the screen if you're looking at the video on YouTube. Also, we have our merch store, which is outtheboxmedia.bigcartel.com. I got t-shirts. We got out the box snapback hats. We got sweaters. You know, we even got the baseball tees. You know, a number of items that if you really resonate with what we do here, you know, you resonate with this movement of underground hip-hop, creative hip-hop, conscious hip-hop, quality hip-hop in general, and you are connected to you know, the the music that you get to hear on this platform, you know, and you like what we do, definitely feel free to go to that website and support us and get you some Out The Box merch. Also, if you want to donate to Out The Box Media, right, it does take, you know, some funds to make this happen on a regular basis. Feel free and encouraged to go donate uh, whatever amount you would like to our cash app which is cash tag out the box rep or you can donate to paypal at paypal.me slash out the box media these links will be in the description of the video as well so you can click on them and if you're listening via the audio podcast you will find them in the description as well there okay so another thing that i do want to mention as i said we the audio podcast so if you're, li if you're watching this interview on YouTube, we also have an audio podcast where you can catch the high-quality audio on platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, etc. Generally, where you would find podcasts, it's there. All right? So got that out the way. Uh, I just wanted to make sure I let the folks know because I... You know, got to plug, you know, the other stuff happening without the box. Oh, yeah. One other thing I forgot is our Patreon page where you can actually go to the find exclusive interview clips only available to Patreon members, you know, so that, um, you know, you're able to learn a little bit more and, and, and get access to that. 
Okay, so uh, that's only for Patreon members and those subscribers that go above and beyond to support Out the Box. All right? So like I said, my episode today, episode 74, features an artist who I have interviewed before. I have followed this brother's career for quite some time, and I just admire all of the amazing things he's doing. He put out a, a book his first children's book entitled She Sees not too long ago. I want to feel like it's like about a week ago. And it also has a soundtrack, uh, you know, a, a, a music soundtrack to it, which is really dope. So we're going to talk to him about that today. And he's been doing a number of things since the beginning of the year. So without further ado, I want to welcome to our Out the Box Talks listening and viewing audience my brother, native of the DMV area, I want to welcome to our audience, my homie, Substantial. Welcome. Peace, brother. How you doing, Sub? How you doing? Welcome. Uh, peace, man. Thanks for having me again. Yes, thank you, man. I'm so glad to have you back. Like I said, you know... You got this new book out, very, very inspirational when I saw that you were putting this out. So I definitely want to talk to you about that. But since we've last spoke, which was August of last year, I know you've been doing a number of things. Take a moment to tell the people what's been going on with you since that point up to now. Man. <laughs> All right. Uh yeah, it's been a lot, man. Um, all all great things. Uh, obviously, you know, um, a lot has been happening in the world. So um, the biggest challenge has really been trying to stay productive uh, while at the same time taking care of, um, you know, our mental health. You know what I mean? And so I find for me sometimes, you know, um, while it's good to stay informed and all of that, like taking that personal time to, to do whatever it is you're doing, in my case, create you know what i mean so um it's helped me like really stay productive a lot of collaborations and stuff with different folks um you know um man uh one of the things that happened was me and marcus d teams back up to do um winter breaks two that came out back um in december of last year um that was really exciting man um a lot of a lot of uh fun putting that together and got to do something real dope with my moms that I had never done. Um, I had never used her voice on any of my music. So that was just a great experience. Um, and you know, me and the homie Marcus D we go back like 2007, something like that. So it was dope to get back to work with him too. Um, so that was one of the things that happened. Also been doing a lot of, uh, video game music, man. That's been, uh, really exciting. I first started, I first took the dive into that back in like uh, 2018. Um, the end of 2017, I had negotiated a situation, did like two tracks in 2018. Um, and then it was just kind of quiet for a minute. Um, but then like, man, once uh, quarantine started, um, I did this one track with uh, the homie Mason Lieberman. Shout out to him, Mega Ran. Um, uh, Mega just, Ran. Uh, my man Zed and, and just a host of, other dope artists, um, including the legendary Seatbelts and um, Yoko Kano, um, who um, did the sound. Um, Yoko Kano did the soundtrack for um, 
Oh my God, I got it right here. Cowboy Bebop. How am I slipping? That's like one of the greatest joints ever. But Cowboy Bebop, and we did a tribute um, uh, to that anime while doing a cover of the closing song called Real Folk Blues. So that was one of the things that was already in motion before before August of last year. But basically, we found out right, I want to say right after that time I um, chopped it up with you in the interview that that song ended up hitting number six on the Billboard charts for uh, World oh. Digital Sales. So we had no idea that happened because I'm not on Billboard checking to see how my underground music is performing. But I was doing a search, man, and I found I found that out. And that was amazing, especially because that song was a fundraiser. So we raised over over fifty thousand uh, dollars for the CDC and Doctors Without Borders to help fight uh, COVID nineteen. So that was super dope, man. Sold a, a lot of vinyl and and um, and also hit number one on Japan's uh, rock rock charts. Because even though there's rapping on there, it was also um, rock infused track too. So. So that's been happening, man. And oh, Jesus, what else? We got nominated for a Hollywood Music and Media Award for another uh, song that I did for a video game called Ark Knights. Yes. Uh, yeah, man. And so that was crazy. And then uh, PUBG Mobile dropped this uh, song that I did um, uh, for for this short film they did called The Growth, which was like two or three minute long um, 3D animation joint. Yeah, I saw and the video. That, Dude, like <laughs> it's it's been crazy, man. Yeah. There's some stuff for uh Mobile Legends Bang Bang, and then Ark Knights just dropped another uh video uh for a song. I um because I think I did like three songs with them for their game, and um and they just dropped another music video, animated music video for one of the tracks. So, dude, it's yeah, man. It's uh and that's outside of me just kind of putting out other stuff like the Dirty Sneakers instrumentals and. Um, and now the new stuff that's out and, um, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of stuff, but the yeah, bro, spizzy, it's, it's spizzy been busy commercial. to say the least. Did you say the Spizzy commercial? Oh no, my man. Yeah. So yeah. And so my business, uh, that me and my wife have called, uh, substantial art and music, um, Spizzy is one of our clients. Uh, we, um, our business is, a um, we, we do consultations and, um, also we're a multimedia company. So uh, Spizzy is one of our clients. They're a smoothie shop in Camp Springs, Maryland. And so basically, end of 2020, they stepped to uh, the homie, shout out to Brother Victorious. He uh, stepped to me and asked me to do a, um, a jingle um, for their shop. And of course, it's like, this is the homie since we were, he was 10 and I was like uh, 14, something, no, 12. Uh, no, I'm lying. He was 12. I was 14. There you go. And um, yeah, man. So he asked me to do it and stuff. And we were already working with his business. So, of course, we, we agreed to do it. Um, and then I pitched the idea for doing the commercial for them as well. Um, shout out to the legendary uh, producer uh, slash MC Roddy Rod, um, uh, DJ Roddy Rod, because he's also a really dope um, film director. So he shot the uh, the commercial for that. Dope. And uh, yeah, man. So that happened as well, man. It's it's been it's been amazing, dude. Like it's been a great, all things considered, what the world's been experienced. You know, right. I definitely was making a lot of lemonade out of the lemons we were given. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I underestimated how much you've done because mm. I'm just keeping a record of what I've seen. Some of the mm -hmm. things you've mentioned, I haven't even seen. And maybe I missed it in terms of your promotion. But yeah, mm -hmm. man, you've been really busy. Now, mm -hmm. one of the 
things that you've done that really stood out to me prior to this book and this soundtrack is, as you spoke about earlier, is the Bop Alloy project, right? The Winter Breaks 2. I thought it was so dope. And I wanted to ask you, like, why did it take so long for you guys to get back together again? And what made, you know, December 2020 be an actual day that, you know, that time that you guys decided to release this project? What made it, you know, perfect for you to release it at that time? For sure. Yeah. Um, so Marcus and I, like, we're always in contact. Uh, he, he's like, uh, you know, I joke you know, all the time. It's like, that's some, that's my brother from another mother, man. You know, uh, he just got vitiligo, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, uh, shout out the White Chocolate, a.k.a. Uh, what we call him? Chef Boy MD. But yeah, man, that's the homie, man. Um, you know, and so we're always in contact, even if we're not always working on music. Um, even though he lives in um, Tokyo, Japan. And, uh, you know, we've actually been sitting on some of the production for Winter Breaks 2 for quite some time. Um, like we we had some of the concepts uh, or at least the direction we wanted to go in for a while now. But, um, you know, uh, people love to say, you know, this year hit different. <laughs> you know what I mean? People love to say how things hit different. And when people say something hit different, 2020 is probably the definition and the epitome of hitting different. And like Christmas was, you know, I mean, Christmas, whether you celebrate it or not, that time of year, um, you know, from November to the end of December, like it's just families getting together, you know what I mean? And, and coming together with your folks. And so with us being in a pandemic, you know, like I really just was looking at all of this very different. You know what I mean? Like in, you know, one of the songs, uh, What's It Without You? Mm-hmm. The funny thing is that song, the concept for it, um, I came up with it probably in like um, early 2019, long before any of this was even going to be a thing. Right. Like in terms of the pandemic. Wow. And um, but I didn't write it. Right. I just had the chorus. Um, and I was really just thinking about like, you know, um just like now that my mom doesn't live in the area anymore. And I was thinking of other people like who just don't get to spend um, those precious, the precious moments with the people they love most. Right. And so, uh, but then reflecting on that hook, when I was uh, starting to write the project, I was looking at that hook and I was like, damn, this has a whole different meaning right now. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, realizing that man, the last time I saw my mom, just could be the last time I saw my mom, like for real, you know what I mean? And, um, and the weight of that, especially when I was looking at what the hook was saying. And so then, uh, the homie, uh, shout out to T Lucas, um, you know, who I did the dirty sneakers project with, um, we we were fresh off the hills of doing that and talking about different ways to keep the momentum going for his growth and getting him some more exposure because he's just a, he's an underrated dude, man. And so, you know, just trying to, uh, give him light whenever I can. And yo, his, his father died, you know what I mean? In the midst of the pandemic, not from COVID, but like, but still, you know what I mean? The, the stress of not being able to be around him the way he Mm -hmm. wanted to, because of the fact that uh, the pandemic was going on and his father was really sick already. And so, um, so when he lost him, um, originally the song was just going to be me, but uh, me and Pismo, um, on the core, shout out to Pismo too, another great dude, man. Um, 
yeah, I, I hit I hit him up and I was like, yo, I really want you on this song. And I don't know how comfortable you feel about talking about your dad because I know it's fresh, mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know what I mean? It's a, that was a really uncomfortable thing for me to ask him, but like, but that was the vision I had. I was like, yo, when he, when, when I realized I wanted him on it, I was, I just told him, I was like, yo, I feel like that's, that's what this song is about. You know what I mean? So, so if you're comfortable with it and, um, and he came through with five and, um, yeah, man. Yeah. Would you say that all that was happening in 2020, you know, I guess in relation to the pandemic and just, you know, all of the other things that was happening that was a struggle, you know, generally, did that have an impact or a motivating factor in you saying, you know what, I think getting this record out is is a is a good time. I feel like, you know, you feel like people might want to hear this, you know. Did, did that play any part in releasing Winter Breaks 2? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Um, you know, we... Uh, when we first came up with the idea of just doing the winter break series, um, you know, in general, like our goal was to take the the concept of the holiday record and discuss things that we don't typically hear right. in holiday records, you know? Um, and like, you know, uh, for example, I've worked in education um, for over 20 years. And one of the things that I've never really heard in most um, holiday music is is what like children and families experience during that time like the ones who are really really in the struggle because mm-hmm. in education one of the hardest times of the year is that period of time like from thanksgiving um right. to past uh past new year like that's a really tough time for students in fact um when i was uh, a student advocate uh which was you know like was kind of working with the counselors and different people to, to work with the most at-risk youth um, the kids who would talk about suicide the most or like usually I hear those conversations or have those conversations with kids usually close to the holidays and a little bit after uh, like middle of the school year type of situation. You know what I mean? So um, so, you know, having that in mind when we were talking about the different issues from the first project to now the second one, we're looking at the world, looking at the state of things. It's just the it was just the ideal time to really kind of again like you know make a make a record that yes celebrates the the holidays and stuff whether you celebrate uh christmas or kwanzaa but also you know just kind of acknowledge where we are in this moment what we're experiencing what the how different the holidays are going to look and uh, acknowledging the struggle along with the joy that comes along with this time of year um, just to have that that more balanced outlook because there's celebratory songs on there and then there's, you know, then there's songs that deal with heavier content, you know? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, man, thank you for breaking that down. So I want to talk to you about the children's book, your first children's book. Let me give yeah. you some applause for that because, um, man, I know how it is to want to get something out, right? Something Mm -hmm. that you're approaching for the first time. You -hmm. know, talk to me about what initially initially made you interested in doing this children's book titled She Sees. 
Oh man, uh, my wife, <laughs> my wife, my wife is dope. So like, we were in the uh, we were in the car. Um, I think we were either on my we were on our way to um, we were either on our way to get our daughter or we were picking her up. But like, um, I think around that time, um, was it recompositions had just come out. So like, you know, like a lot of times when you have a new release and stuff or it's close to the time of the release, you're listening to the music, like trying to figure out what needs to be better, what need to go, whatever. I can't remember if it was already out if it was about to come out. But anyway, uh, my my wife was listening to the song in my daughter's eyes, the, the second version of the song. Um, and she just says, you know, this could make a really dope children's book. You ever thought about doing that? And and I just kind of, you know, give it a side. I like that is the the furthest thing from my mind. But that actually sounds like a dope idea. So we just started having conversations about it um, and really just started wrapping our, our brains around how that could happen. And um, so, yeah, man, we, we ended up uh, like just kind of talking about like what lyrics would kind of stay, what would go, wh- what additional writing would need to go into it um to kind of be keep it kind of simple you know what i mean since it's going to be targeting like young ones like the the really young kids and um and then it just came down to illustrator because basically uh both my wife and i both have a um you know a visual arts background so uh, if we wanted to like we could have like illustrated the book ourselves. like my wife is actually an amazing um illustrator um, and I'd like to think I'm pretty dope in my own right. We both went to Pratt, uh, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. It's oh, one nice. of the top art schools in the country. I also went to, um, Suitland High School, um, in Prince George's County, Maryland, which is, um, you know, one of the top, uh, uh, uh performing art school, visual performing art schools in the, um, DMV area, oh. um, definitely in Maryland. So, you know, so we we have the skill sets, and a lot of people don't know that we have these skills skill set, right? But uh, the skill set, but but um, there's something about being in a position to leverage the different talent that you have access to, and not feeling like you got to do everything yourself. So that way, you can kind of focus on other parts and, and make it the best project it can be, and Absolutely. not uh, stretch yourself too thin. So we started talking about different illustrators that we knew. Um, and there were uh, two different um, black women that we knew who were amazing, uh, who were both amazing artists. Um, one of them, uh, shout out to Katie Fox. Uh, she was one of the people we were thinking about. Um, even though we didn't go with her uh, for this, the dope thing is her and I, she's actually putting out a, a manga that's coming out um, in September. And I'm actually producing a soundtrack for her manga. So Nice. You know, I was like, hey, look, we're, we're working on something already. You know, what I mean, Let, let's uh, uh, work with this other sister. And um, and that's Luna Bunny, uh, Mira Nelson. She's just a super talented um, illustrator from the um, from Detroit, um, you know, who I had the pleasure of meeting when I did Yumacon um, back in November of 2019. And so basically. You know, we 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 talked it over. I showed her some, I showed my wife some of her stuff. Um, she was already doing like illustrations of me. Um, at one point, did a illustration for my daughter. Actually, ended up uh, doing a uh, an avatar for my daughter's YouTube channel and all of that. 
and did some stuff for me and the homies uh, podcast when we were still doing substantial Sundays. So, you know, like we were very familiar with her work, talked to her, the initial conversation, she was, you know, seemed a bit like, wow, this is almost like a little overwhelming because she had never done anything like that at the time. And so it took a little convincing to get her on board, which was actually pretty awesome, right? Like, because a lot of people just, you know, either be like, hell nah, or they take the bag and maybe it doesn't come out as great as it could, right? And um, yeah, man, but, you know, we we kind of, we talked to her a bit and then we kind of fell back a little bit, just focused on getting uh, um, the manuscript together. And um, and then once we had everything ready, we circled back to her again on um, top of this year and was like, hey, look, we got everything ready. You know, we just want to know if you're, you're still interested and uh, what your rate is. And we got the contracts together. She agreed to do it. And it felt real good to, to pay her for work because we really believe in what she was doing and um, what she does. And and it was great that she, you know, I like working with people who are actually fans of what I do uh, when it comes to like us collaborating on art. Like I'm not the type of person to reach out to someone to collaborate if they don't genuinely seem interested in right. my work. You know what I mean? Um, and she was a fan first. And so that's the I like. I like working with fans and more importantly, I like paying fans. <laughs> you know what I'm wow. saying? Like I, you know, they invest in us all the time. So if they got a skill set that uh, can benefit my career and what I do and stuff, why wouldn't I pay someone who's been supporting me? You know what I mean? Indeed, so, indeed. Uh, yeah. So, so that's yeah, dope. man. So that's uh, kind of um, how it came about. It's really exciting. You know, how did y'all settle on the title? She sees. Great question. So, uh, so in the song, um, in my daughter's eyes, the uh, second version, um, that's the main line that kind of repeats through the first two verses. Um, she right, sees love. Right. She sees trust. Uh, when she thinks about both, she sees us. Um, that's how both the first and second verse start. And so, um, you know, the first version of the song in my daughter's eyes, which was on my, my 2017 album, the past is always present in the future is a, is a, it's a, a very, it's a lot more wordy, right? Like it's like really kind of doing a deep dive into, um, you know, the world, basically me viewing the world in terms of what my daughter's experience is, but it's a lot of me in it, right? It's a lot of my observation and me, like thinking about it on a much deeper level than maybe how my children see it. In the second version, um, I literally sat with my daughter, my oldest daughter, and I had her write a bunch of different things down. I'm like, yo, what do you think are some of the things that you see right now? And how do you perceive these things? How do you feel about these things? And then, and I want you to help me with your sister, right? Like I know what I see from her, but I also want to kind of get, your perspective on what her experiences are and what she sees. And so, um, so that's why like the second version of it, like I kind of simplified it a bit. Um, so it wasn't so wordy. I kind of saved that for the the bridge of the track and uh, when I f- switched the flow up, but, but mostly I just wanted to kind of be a bit more direct with it, which ultimately led to the idea that my wife had to do the book. Dope, dope. Do you actually have the book handy that you might want to, I don't know if you have it with you to put it Ooh. up on the screen. Let, let, let me, uh, let, let me send a message to someone. She might have to oh, slide okay, it okay. under the door. <laughs> we do have yeah, a prototype yeah, yeah. here um, though. I could probably, 
I've I've never done this before, but maybe I could share my screen, or if you want, you could share your screen. But yeah, um, I could share I could share the screen over here. Okay, we can okay. Do that. Yeah, if you if you've done it, you could go ahead and share the screen, or if you need me to give you access, because I do want people to kind of see the book. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you want to just throw an image up. Um, but as you get ready to do that, uh, I wanted to, you know, talk to you a little bit more about, you know, working with Luna Bunny, right? Is that how you say her name? Mm -hmm. Um, so the illustrator Luna Bunny, take me through the process of, you know, what it was like communicating this idea to her. And, you know, how you guys were able to work through the collaboration up until the book's release. Is that the, does sure. that the image it up? Yeah, that's it. Yep, that's it right there. Okay, so I'll add it now. There we go. Yeah, man. So, yeah, um, so working with her was awesome. But, you know, but I want to make sure that I give my wife all the flowers right now. My wife, man, um, besides coming up with the idea, she's also the editor um, editor of the book. And um, and what she did was like, you know, uh, she kind of took not kind of she took the reins and really just kind of helped come up with um, a lot of the concepts for what the drawings uh, could be. Um, So a lot of it was her vision and what she kind of had in mind. And then she'd run certain things by me. Other times I was like, well, maybe this. But a lot of it was um, was her and Luna Bunny probably communicating the most. which was, it was dope for a lot of reasons. It was dope to not have to take on as much, but, you know, but also like uh, my wife, man, when it comes to like her organization um, and everything that we tackle, like for example, with this, how successful our business has been, even though um, it bears my stage name, our company bears uh, my stage name, you know, it, it's truly an equal partnership. Like, you know, it would our business would not be what it is if it wasn't for a lot of the things that my wife does behind the scenes. She's not a person who loves uh, all of the attention unless we're like doing workshops or something where we're we're like truly just helping people. She's you know, she's not trying to be on, on the camera um, like uh, she prefers to be behind the camera most of the time, you know, like pulling the strings. So. Yeah, man. Um, but working with Luna Bunny was great. Um, you know, it taught us a lot about how to kind of just I mean, we've have we have a lot of experience working with different types of artists, but this was a bit different. This isn't us collaborating with an artist to help a particular client. Um, this was working with an artist to help them fulfill our vision. Mm. And and we're visual artists and I'm a musician. So while, you know, I do collaborate with people sometimes and ask for their help, nine times out of 10, we're doing stuff ourselves, right? You know, I did the song Black of All Trades for a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot that I do myself. So, um, so yo, it was a lot of trust. It was a lot of trust involved. But I find that it's easier to trust someone who you know believes in what you do and believes in your vision. So, so us kind of falling back and um, just kind of letting her do what she does and then giving feedback here and there. Um, and, you know, maybe nitpicking more than we needed to do <laughs> sometimes and other times just really falling back and trusting what she does. Um, was exciting, man. It was a really great process. It was, it was super dope. Dope, dope. How long did it take for this whole process to be complete? 
Like when you think about from the start of you, mm-hmm. you and your wife deciding to do this book to when sure. you guys actually released it, which was like last week. <laughs> right, uh, right. Like how long did it take? Yeah, if we start from the initial conversation, the initial conversation probably takes place in uh, the first quarter of 2019, right? Um, which was a few um, months, I think, after I met um, Luna Bunny. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. I'm not fully sure if that's... I know it was... um, I know I met her... I know it was November. I can't remember if it was November 2018 that we met or 29th. I, listen, but I want to say it took uh, it was about a year and a half. Right. Um, from the time we had the idea um, and then us kind of taking the time to really uh, flush out the manuscript and make sure everything was written the way we wanted it written. Um, and then we circle back to her, like I said, uh, top of this year. Um, back in January, and that's when we we got the contracts and everything together and got started. And um, yeah, so uh, and so while she did all of the illustration, what I did was because um, again my major was a uh, graphic design, and so what I did was um, a lot of the layout, right? So I would take um, you know deciding what the fonts were going to be, um, the font that's on the cover, like uh, doing that by hand. And then, uh, you know, placing a lot of the images, kind of deciding how certain things were going to, you know, be done. And then inside of the book, uh, when folks get it, they'll see like a pattern uh, of um, our family's faces that she drew. And so like creating things like that to be in the background of certain texts and stuff. So that's um, the extent of the, uh, you know, my artistic, my visual art contribution to the book. Um, you know, because I do graphic design, I've spent a lot of time doing layouts for, for like everything from magazine ads to other people's books. Like I've designed other people's book covers in the past and stuff. So, um, so yeah, so it was great to not have to do the meat, <laughs> the, the meat and uh, bones of everything in it and just kind of really take all of this wonderful work that she did and just lay it out in a way that was uh, pleasing to her. Wonderful, wonderful, man. So, I got a chance to look at the book because uh, I was able to look at the digital version. And I'm so glad that you are offering it physically as well, digitally, right? If you mm-hmm. ask me, you need to have it physically, right? Because it's just it's just such a great book to have. Like, it's, it's something you, to me that will live on for a lifetime, you know, and beyond lifetimes, right? To have something physical like this. Um, now, the book cover has your two daughters depicted... Mm-hmm outside in what looks like a city park Mm -hmm. and the baby is actually pointing to the sky right Mm -hmm. while Mm -hmm. your older daughter is actually seated happy and at peace but also looking up what made Mm -hmm. you decide on the cover and the significance of it man um great question it's it's I can't remember if we really gave her like um, a clear idea of what we wanted for the cover. I wish my wife was in here right now because um, because I know, like I said, she was handling a lot of the, the conversations about those particular things. Um, but I all I remember, um, like so the details are fuzzy, but I remember the day she sent that over. 
And it, um, just as a quick drawing, we we knew instantly. It was like, oh, my God, that is it. Like, you know, like the fact that their eyes are so focused in a particular area, like, you know, it's it makes you wonder what they see. Right. Like it, it makes you want to open up the book so you can actually see the world through their eyes right. and, and see what their lives are like, you know, because it's we don't you know, you don't know how how I mean, even though they look at peace and they look at happy on the cover, but it's it doesn't. It doesn't completely tell you everything. It's they are very focused and stuff. And and while they seem at peace, it's just like you don't fully know what their experience is. So it makes you want to open up and really kind of dive deeper in to see what what their worlds look like and what these babies are seeing. You know, that is absolutely so true, because you can see like uh, if you look at the, um, you know, to the left, upper left corner of the book, you see like a sun, like the, the, the piece of the sun. So it almost looks like they're looking at the sun, but there's so much things that could be happening in the sky. And mm-hmm. so it leaves that mystery of like, you, like you said, you know, you, you don't know what they're looking at. So I, I'm right. glad that you guys left it open like that. Uh, I just noticed, you know, that they were both looking up as I'm, as I mm-hmm. was observing the cover. So I thought it was cool mm-hmm. that you guys did that. So the next question I wanted to ask you was, oops, hold on. Did I just come out? How did I get out? I'm sorry. (laughs) You're still Mm -hmm. there, right? Okay. So the next question that I wanted to ask you was how your daughters felt about the book knowing that it's actually them in the illustration and the story like did you get a chance i don't know if the baby is able to like understand anything but like even the older one did they how did they feel about knowing that uh a children's book was based on them and your entire and your family yeah man um great question yeah their their response has been awesome man like my (laughs) My oldest daughter, like she's kind of getting used to being drawn by by Luna Bunny. She's a little spoiled at this point because of the fact that, you know, Luna Bunny has illustrated uh, um, her for um, for her YouTube channel and stuff like that. And uh, done, you know, like two different graphics for in the past. So, um, you know, she she kind of had an idea of how it was going to be in terms of what she would look like. But even still like going through the process and getting the pages and seeing what the stuff was turning out to be from the sketches to the final images. Yeah. She was just blown away. She was like, Oh my God, that looks so awesome. Like, you know, she was just loving it. And then seeing, and then seeing things like, um, you know, like seeing, um, Spizzy in the book, right? Like, because that's very much a part of our, our routine. Like we're, we're usually there every two weeks, we try to make a habit of going over there, even though it's like 20 minutes from where we live. We, we, you know, cross over the bridge real quick and make sure we go grab our smoothies and stuff. And my daughter, when she sees when she sees the Spizzy logo, she's like smoothies. <laughs> and she knows my youngest daughter. That's right. Dope. And um, and my oldest daughter talks about working there. So seeing those things like, you know, seeing their lives pretty much um, in this book was kind of surreal, I think, um, 
you know, as the process was happening. The youngest one, the dope thing has been like since we got the proof of the book, you know, holding the physical book in our hands and, and seeing it, you know, man, it was a, a semi-emotional moment. You know what I mean? We're, we damn this shit tears, tears here. But um, but uh, but the dopest thing about having it now is like, you know, this past the last week and a half or so being able last week, uh, being able to read it to our youngest daughter, that has been dope. And then just to make sure she fully understands what, what she's looking at, like just asking her, like, who's that? And then she's like, Oh, that's daddy. You know, like she knows. And like, who's that? That's mommy. Like, nice. who's that? That's, um, that's, you know, serenity. So like, I mean that, that's super dope, man. Like how many kids get to have that experience, right? Like there's a book of, there's a, a children's book or a book in general about your life in the world. You know what I mean? And, um, and other people are going to get to see your story, you know? Yeah. Definitely, man. That is so dope. So Thank you. the book obviously is told through the eyes of two daughters, your two daughters. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like a parent with a boy child could also mm-hmm. benefit from this book, right? Can you explain how this book can be beneficial to any family, regardless of the gender of the child? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, um, one there are different things in there, right? Like, uh, for example, there's a part where it talks about um, facing fears, right? Um, and and you literally see, uh, you know, you see my wife with our youngest daughter, like trying to get her to get in the pool while our uh, oldest daughter is trying to, uh, she's practicing swimming, you know what I mean? That in itself in our community, because listen, man, like... <laughs> You know, swimming is a, a hit or miss thing mm. in our community. And mm. most of the time it's a miss when we talk about it. Right. Like a lot of folks, we might be island people uh, or from coastal uh, places. But like, you know, <laughs> our relationship with the water is uh, is a bit sketchy, uh, like considering what uh, what our experience has been crossing these waters. So mm. <laughs> but um, but anyway, like, you know, seeing that image in it. Right. Like that might inspire a family boy or girl, right. Um, who's raising a boy or girl, um, to encourage them to swim, right. Like take lessons and different things like that. So I think that's, that's a gym in itself. And then, you know, and then other things like if it's a boy, um, seeing this book, regardless to it being about these two girls, um, this boy will eventually grow up. So, so, when they see the images of me there, right? Like that's an image of a man who once was a boy who ultimately grows up to, to be responsible for his family and provide and take care and, and do all of these different things. So seeing that role in the book, um, I think male or female, um, could inspire a lot of different things. Right. And, and the, just that presence, presence, not just presence, but actually active as well. And so um, and then there's, you know, like brief mentions uh, or lessons about like, you know, screen time and like gadgets and things like right. that. You know what I mean? So um, and it's not like these things are. Uh, oh, one probably one of uh, our favorite parts of it, um, or at least mine, is the line where it says uh, where it talks about um she sees that uh, she sees beauty can be fully clothed or undressed, right? Like 
that line has a lot of different meanings to it, right? Like we probably could have went a different direction with the illustration to make it more literal, right? Like, but, you know, but helping helping people understand that beauty can be, because here you are, you got two young girls looking at their mother and the young girls are like, you know, long sleeves and stuff, long pants on and different things like that. But here their mother is, they're looking at their mother who they see as being beautiful. And she's wearing something, something that's a little more revealing, like she might be going out, uh, going out with friends or going out with her with their dad. But like just understanding that there's no, there's no like the standards that the world tries to create for beauty, right? Like you are beauty whether you are in your clothes or out of them. You are beautiful whether you are. You know what I mean? Like dressed up and all fancy or you're just out here with a T-shirt and shorts on. Right. right, right. Like beauty's a lot deeper than this surface level uh, stuff. And so so I, I feel like those these lines are simple enough where it leaves room for broader conversations and stuff. And um, and I think some of the imagery will help kind of push those conversations along. And I feel like, um, you know, it's beneficial like to to any family, whether you got all boys in your house or you got little girls in there, you know, definitely there's conversations to be had. Definitely. You know, speaking about the 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 page where you just referenced where it's talking about, I think it says she sees laughter, she sees tears, she sees some run while others face their fears. And then mm-hmm. the page right after that, that's the page you were talking about with, you know, the daughter learning, your daughter learning to swim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mom is there, your wife is there with her. Mm-hmm. I noticed that there was a sign to the rear, right? Right next to the pool, like on the wall of the pool, it says something like, be careful, right? Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about where that sign was placed, when I when I looked at the scene and I thought of that sign, and then I thought of the text that spoke about, you know, like you said, it says um, she sees laughter, she sees tears, she sees some run while others face their fears. What I thought about was, here's this child learning to swim, which could be fearful, right? Uh, but, mm-hmm. but that sign is also saying, be careful. So it's almost like it's saying, it couldn't be fearful, but as long as you're careful, you'll get through it. And mom is there what? to kind of be there as the care. Mm. Like, was that sign placed there for that meaning? I, I, You know, I noticed some of that in, like, there's, like, we call it double entendres, right? In, yeah. in rap. But, like, even in this book, there's, like, you know, double meanings and symbolism going on. Uh, I was mm-hmm. wondering if that, that was kind of where you guys were going with that particular depiction so so the great thing about it is like this is as much you know our creation as it is the illustrator right like in that particular instance i mean the initial sketches were just of them swimming but the decision to add that sign in there which adds all those dimensions you're talking about was it was completely her right like we gave her the idea of them in the pool and all of that but ultimately, the decision to add that sign, which adds that other dimension to it, um, came down to her. Um, so when we saw it and then we saw the sign and it's wild because every time we read the book, even though that particular sign doesn't 
um, you know, it's not necessarily a part of the original manuscript. Right. That's a part that we always stop with the with uh, our youngest daughter to to reference to read what what's in there, right? Because she's heard this language from her before, uh, from us before, where it's like, you know, when someone says "be careful" or "take your time" or this, right. that, and the third, right. a lot of times people respond to it like it's stop, right? Like or like you're trying to discourage them. When it's really like, no, like, go ahead, go forward. We're just saying, as you go forward, just understand, you know, we live in the world and the world ain't always great to us. And there's some dangerous stuff out here. But we want you to go forward just as you like take care as you move forward. And so. um, So, yeah, man, it's crazy. Like we. uh, I I can honestly say that. It wasn't necessarily the goal to kind of create this this deeper thing with that particular part. It's just something that just kind of happened. And and those are kind of the best moments where it kind of happens more organically uh, and it's not a forced thing, you know? Right, right. Yeah, man, I think there are multiple moments in the book that are like that, you know, Mm -hmm. and just like a a good listener of hip-hop music or a good listener of music, you tend to find new things as you go back and listen to music. Mm-hmm. I think this book is illustrated in that way as well. It's very simple, but there's a mm-hmm. lot happening, right? And I love mm-hmm. the fact that you didn't you guys didn't just you know sugarcoat it like this everything is all love and peaceful like you guys showed some elements of reality, but overall there was this this uh understanding of persevering and and love and commitment and we'll get through this you know so mm-hmm. i thought that was really cool like the overall message now i did have to ask you even with your explanation of the book being you know a book that it doesn't matter what gender of the child it is it could mm-hmm. someone can relate to it i did want to ask you because it sounds like it's the perfect setup for a he sees or a volume (laughs) two right Right, and i'm just curious to know if that's something you guys have thought about yet Mm -hmm. maybe it's with you know maybe it's told through the eyes of a family member that you know that has a a boy child or you know maybe it's inspired by that um but i just see a perfect setup for yeah. a he sees. I, so I wanted to know if that was something that you guys even, you know, considered or even crossed your mind. Yeah, it, it's something that I mean, you know, I think anytime you're dealing with something that deals with one gender and gives a lot of attention um, to uh, to one particular gender, ultimately, uh, people who appreciate it are going to pose the question to you like, hey, what about these folks over here? And so, um, so instantly... I think going into this, uh, like in the back of my mind, I, you know, I feel like that's the easiest uh, next step. Right. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, we haven't really, you know, because we're still in in the, the thick <laughs> of it right now with the current book. So we haven't um, we haven't thought that far out, like as to like how we're going to go about doing it and whether or not for sure that's going to be a second book. But I think as with a lot of the stuff that we do, we pay attention to our audience and, you know, and we, we, we listen, right. And we see where their interests lie and, and, um, you know, and as much as we love to create original things and kind of do, uh, go in the direction our hearts take us, 
the fact of the matter is, as a business, like we always take into considering uh, into consideration what our what our audience um, is kind of leaning toward as well. So so anything's possible. We have a lot of we have a lot of ideas, man, in terms of not just like with books, but a lot of different things. And so, um, you know, so we're going to like uh, I'm not saying no. I'll just right, say that right, I'm right. not saying no. Right. I'll say this as well. I think you guys. With the with the title of the book, it made it even more of a better setup. Right. Because you guys title it. She sees. So mm-hmm. it's easy to just now take the S off and right. <laughs> now you have he sees. So I don't know. I mean, it, it obviously it's up to you guys in terms of what you want to mm-hmm. do. But I think it's like you guys are like perfectly set up for that to happen in the future, even with just sure. how the title is set up, you know, so um, something to consider, you know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We appreciate it, man. Indeed. Indeed. So. Um, let me see. I got another question for you. So now the song that the book is inspired by is called in my daughter's eyes. And the actual text in the book comes exactly from the lyrics in that song, you know, as you Mm -hmm. alluded to earlier, but it's obviously not every lyric that's in the book. Right. So when I listened to the song again, I was like, you hear most of the lyrics, but there's some things, some lyrics that are omitted. How were you able mm-hmm. to choose which lyrics you wanted to use for the text and which ones you said, you know what, that doesn't make sense to add to the book? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a lot of the lyrics that were um, really more focused on my experience definitely were some of the first that I was like, all right, yeah, these are going to, I'm going to take these things out, you know? Um, you know, like there's uh how I end the second verse, uh, here for both my, uh, here for both my daughters to the, um, to they no longer need me to teach them when my time comes, they're going to still hear, they're, they're going to still hear me repeating like, you know, stuff like that. Um, it, it, it then kind of takes the attention from them and then focuses on me as a character. And um, and I feel like that does that doesn't necessarily help the story progress the way that we wanted to uh, wanted it to in the book. So um, taking things out like that, um, things out like there was uh, something in there um, where I say something about uh, um, like she see her big sister playing Fortnite. Meanwhile, both her parents complaining about the alt right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like we already had the uh, the gizmos and gadget line um, in there and stuff, which shows you know our daughter playing playing the game already. So repeating the fact that she's playing a particular game and promoting that particular game, you know, um, feel like felt like overkill. And then you know sometimes people say, and then when you go to the alt right right line, people love nowadays to say, oh, when you bring up a particular thing, oh. Why are you bringing politics into this or this, that, and the third? And um, there's a, a page in the book where you see on the TV that there's a protest happening where um, protesters are confronted by police officers, right? Mm-hmm. And and someone might see that as quote unquote politics. And one of the things that I like, I hate that people do. It's like, yo, people love to say that, and it's like. 
a lot of the people who are dealing with some of these things, politics may affect a lot of people's lives, but people aren't sitting around thinking about politics as their life. They're just living. You know what I mean? These are just situations that people are in. And depending on a person who's kind of removed from that situation and how involved in politics they are, it's easy for people to kind of throw their idea of how everyone operates and how people are trying to politicize certain things. When the fact of the matter is the vast majority of people in these situations, they're not sitting around thinking about that. They're just trying to survive or they're trying to get out of this situation, improve this situation. So um, so that's why like cert- that one line comes out while this illustration that kind of um, shows this real world situation stays in uh, to make it clear that this isn't about po- politics. Mm-hmm. This is about our lives and trying to figure out how we navigate this and the the stresses of seeing this, the stresses for people who are in this. And then meanwhile, a young child, right, who has you got you got two children on um, two different at two different levels in their life where our oldest daughter is directly affected by this stuff that she's seeing now because she has a, a, a somewhat clearer understanding than she once had when she was younger of what she's seeing. And we're having heavier conversations now while her sister might be in the same room while that thing is on TV and where us, the oldest three people in the room are deeply affected by it. But her younger sister, meanwhile, is on the floor playing, playing with the, one of her toys that happens to be black and another toy that may happen to be white or like one of the million other things that really <laughs> is in a real person. Right. And like, she's not, it's, she's not going around thinking about like, these people are bad, these people are good, or these people are trying to do bad things. She's just living, just taking life a day at a time. And so that contrast, right? Like trying to show those particular things um, and the importance of it, you know? So like, it's, yeah, man, the the dope thing of what, you know, as the saying goes, a picture, um, you know, a picture says a thousand words uh, or picture is a thousand words. And so I think um, being able to take out certain lyrics and letting like the art sometimes convey certain messages that the song, um, you know, might have did a good job in some ways. Sometimes the illustration can do a bit better. So so that was part, a lot of the process. It definitely took some time. I, th- I would say the hardest part of it, though, was uh, writing things that weren't necessarily in the song before. Mm. Um, just to kind of really help the book close out. Right. So, um, uh, so like, you know, lines like, um, uh, where it talks about, um, you know, they see faith when they're face to face, like, you know, believing in each other, knowing that like, you know, when, when my youngest daughter looks at her big sister, like in her eyes, there's nothing her big sister can't do. Right. Like, you know, except for things that daddy or mommy might do. But like for the most part, she knows that if we're not in the same room at the time, um, her big sister probably will be able to take care of any of those things. And so her faith that the faith that she puts in her. Right. And um, and the belief that her big sister has in her. Right. That she's capable of growing and learning to do things. And while some the place she's in right now might be challenging. She's ultimately going to get by it and get to the next thing because she went through the same path that uh, she she's went she went through a similar path in order to get to where she is. So she understands that. So them seeing each other, seeing faith in each other, 
putting faith in each other and believing in each other. Um, so writing things like that in there, um, you know, and, and then talking about, uh, you know, them, uh, um, them seeing the future, but being able to see themselves and like, and what that line really means, like, you know, we're in a day and age where, um, yes, we're speaking life into our children and trying to lift them up, but more importantly, uh, well, not more importantly, but, but just as important, like they're able to look around in this climate that we're in, in this day and age that we're in now and see more representation, more people who look like them, uh, whether it's on television, whether it's in books, you know what I mean? Or other content that's being distributed. They're able to see themselves and see themselves in the picture, um, you know, and, uh, and think of themselves when they think of the future more so now than ever. Yes, man. Well, well said. You know, thank you, brother. I, I wanted to also highlight on that page where it says she sees anger, she sees pain. What's really dope is there is a wall plaque um, hmm. right next to the dining room table to the far right on the in the image, mm-hmm. and it says peace. And it's a, a blank, you know, an empty dining room table. No one's seated there. And I thought that was really cool because even though, you know, you and your wife are depicted sitting, watching TV, looking sad at what's going on in the news, that image, that wall plaque that says peace, to me signified, even though craziness is happening in the world, there's still peace. There's still a place of peace at home. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if that was also like a reason why you guys, you know, displayed that sign there next to the dining room table. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we, we talk about a lot uh, during the pandemic and um, during quarantine and all of that. Uh, you know, I joke with my wife every time we watch something crazy on TV dealing with relationships. Um, I look at her, I'm like, yo, don't ever leave me. Don't, don't ever leave me. I don't want none of what's out here. <laughs> I, don't want, I was like, you know, I say that all the time. We'll watch Insecure or something crazy with some relationship drama. And, I, and that's the running joke. Right. And, and, it, and it's the truth, man. Like one of the things that I, I know is a blessing and a privilege is the relationship that, you know, that required a ridiculous amount of work, but what we've built together as a family and we recognize the fact that not everybody has that. And so, so we, so that peace that we've created for ourselves in our home uh, with our babies and with each other, you know, we hold on to that. And that, and that is the center of like, of our beings and our being in our unit. Um, and what keeps us, you know, um, keeps us centered, keeps us like, you know, like uh, allows our, our drive to not succumb to all of the craziness that that we we witness and all of that. And so, um, yeah, man, it, it's I think like if you know us, right, like for the people who really know us and spend time with us and, and talk to us and stuff like that, man, like we, you know, we do a good job at like regardless of what's happening in the world and what may be happening to, to people close to us and all of that and say, we empathize and we, we, you know, we feel it too. And we understand all of that, but understand this, 
Like we, like first and foremost, <laughs> we're responsible for each other in Absolutely. this home. Right. And we got to keep each other strong. And if we don't keep each other strong, keep each other at peace and, and lift each other up, then how are we going to combat some of this craziness that we see and that's going on in the world if we're not right within? You know what I mean? Absolutely. You have a lyric from... Um that same song that the you know the the book is inspired by where you say she sees movement she sees music she sees that there's more than one way to use it mm. now when i sat and observed that line i said man that's a really profound line and i'm so glad that you chose to put that one in the book can you talk more about the deeper meaning behind that line and why you chose to add it for sure man like music you know, I mean, it's, I feel like it's the heartbeat of everything, right? And so, and with our family, because we're an artistic family, um, where, you know, all of us in our home um, create in some way, shape, or form, you know, for a lot of families, music is just kind of like, you know, it's the background to their day-to-day life, whether it's the music playing in the background at the cookout, or it's, you know, uh, the kid who's kind of not interested in what the grown folks got going on. So they got their, their AirPods in, or if it's, uh, you know, um, a parent who's working on something and just got the music in the background for a lot of people, it's just kind of, it's, it's around, right. It's just the, the background, but it's also kind of helping their engine, right. It's like fuel that's flowing through the engine that's keeping them going. And for us, you know, like music, music is a lot of different things. One of the things you said to me, like uh, before we even got started was just talking about um, the inspiration that you get from, from um, maybe not just my music, but just a lot of what I'm doing. Right. But a lot of the things I've been put in these positions to do came from me doing this music first and foremost. And so you see that they're like seeing that there's more than one way to use it. I've used this music to leverage a lot of different opportunities. There's jobs that I got that on paper, I probably shouldn't have got <laughs> because of the fact that I didn't have certain degrees and I didn't have whatever, but the music uh, got me in the door a lot of different places because um, it allowed me to teach things that people, other people weren't able to teach. And so um, it just kept putting me in different positions of of power and influence. Right. And I just chose to use it in a way that I felt like was beneficial to more than just myself and my pockets. Like, you know, I felt like I could I could heal with this a bit. Right. right. Or right. maybe help lift some people up or create some other opportunities, go in the southeast dc and maybe uh build a studio for some kids that this will now be an alternative for them posting up on the block right or or these skills um these skills i'm helping them develop in audio engineering and you know or me like nowadays when i'm teaching music business classes as opposed to teaching the art form you know this is me using music in another way to help them create real change in their life and uh, create a sustainable life for themselves and educate them in different ways. So our daughters witnessed that like happening with us all the time. But then on the flip side of that, they're also witnessing us use music to help like exercise and all of these, man, it's just 
there's so many different things that music can be used for. And, um, and I think we do an excellent job in our home of uh, really kind of showing that to our kids. You know what I mean? Wow, man. You know, the reason why I said that that line was profound is because the way it resonated to me mm. was utilizing music in a positive way, right? And that's mm-hmm. all what you just said, right? Uh, like, these are all positive things that, you know, you've done and how you use the music. You use it progressively. And when you think about hip-hop or urban music, it tends to get a bad rap at times for what mm-hmm. is perpetuated, right? M- mostly in the mainstream or commercial media. But I like the fact that you know, we can focus the lens on the positive that exists, right? Like, since the inception of hip-hop, there's always been people using hip-hop for uplifting reasons, for inspirational Mm -hmm. reasons, Uh, and there's also been people using it for reasons that may have a degrading outcome, right? Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that you highlighted there's more than one, you know, there's multiple ways that you can use music music, and you also express the way that you actually live that. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, I definitely had to shout you out on that. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, bro. Indeed, indeed. So, I like how you, you know, chose to end the book with the idea of faith and hope. Uh, tell me if you had to just kind of sum up what you would like the impact you would like this book to have on fathers or you know you know parents who would read it to their daughters or sons like what's the overall impact you would like this book to leave you know the impression you would like it to leave on families yeah for sure um i think definitely you know uh, starting with the basic uh, thing is, you know, encouraging um, literacy, right? Like just getting folks in the habit of, of reading with their children more often and stuff like that. That's that's something that happens every day in our house, um, like bare minimum once a day, sometimes more, uh, you know, and so just encouraging that um, more and more. Right. Uh, but then also the great thing about like some of the things that is seen um, that are seen in this book, you know, these are things that will hopefully lead to conversation. Right. And so maybe having, maybe, you know, these lines that aren't like spelled all the way out in terms of what the exact meaning is might lead to either the child asking a question or the parent posing a question to the child about, when you hear this, what does this mean to you? Or when you see this particular image, like, what do you think of? What does this make you think about? And I think sometimes as parents, like, you know, especially with the little ones, we don't think that we can have these conversations with maybe, you know, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, right? But when they see something, right, like the wheels start turning and they're trying to process what they're seeing. And I think, you know, there was a woman one time, <laughs> man, I'll ne- I never forget this. Uh, when when I only had one daughter, uh, when my oldest daughter was like really small, um, there was something I was saying to my daughter about, uh, 
you know, I was just words of reinforcement, right? Where I'm just, or, or encouragement. It was like, oh, great job, great job. I like how you did that. Thank you, baby. Good job. You know, and and you know, I was just basically saying things like that. Maybe you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but those are the main things I was saying. And this uh, this woman says to me, she was um, she's like, why are you talking to her like she's a dog or something? <laughs> and then and I looked at her sideways, and I'm like, the better question is, why are you talking to your dog like it's a person? Right. You know, like I really it was like, I mean, you know, no, it's funny. Like I've seen people say, like, have all types of interactions and, you know, kissing dogs on the on the mouth and say just saying whatever, like, you know, interacting with their dog, talking to their dog like their dog is going to say something back. And I'm not saying the dog doesn't understand certain things you're doing, but clearly you care a lot about that dog, right? That you are saying things in, in a certain way and really engaging with this animal. And the crazy thing is, like, I see people with small children who sometimes don't even use certain, like, you know, they, they're doing the baby talk thing with them and and really not engaging with the little one, right? With the littlest ones. Like, they're not fully engaged with the little ones. They're they're talking at them, but not really talking to them, right? And they're not fully listening sometimes when the uh, the baby's trying to communicate. And so, like, and, you know, and this isn't a judgment to anybody. This is just somebody who's worked around kids for a very long time, for more than half my life um, in the different observations I, I've made. And so, um, and someone who's also raised children. And so, you know, I just want... I just want these conversations, I, I want to create conversations, not just between adults and adults like who end up preaching to the choir, but really just kind of hopefully uh, use this as a vehicle to, that maybe create some conversations. And, and most importantly, man, the last thing is, you know, celebrate, celebrate fathers, celebrate black fathers. People love to say, you know, things like that, like um, people love to act like we're not out here. You know what I mean? And um, and someone said something one time, you know, just about how, you know, like I don't, I don't really be seeing a lot of black dads out here like that. And I just, you know, and I challenged uh, challenged a homie. I was like, bro, you going, uh, you know, fam, you gonna have to look at your look at your circle and reevaluate your whole situation. Like maybe you need to be around different people, because like dog, my circle filled with them, mm. like over overflowing with them. You know what I mean? Like I show up any of the homies like house or have a get together, man. And it's, you know, if we're talking about 20, 30 people in there, man, it's like, you know, at least 10, 15 fathers present, you know what I mean? All actively involved, whether they're with the, with the, uh, their lady or not, you know what I mean? So, you know, just understanding that, like, yo, you know, making sure that you're a certain type of person who is going to make sure that I'm just like the artist, right? And this is the parallel. There are certain, like, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm talking to a young artist and giving them advice on their career um, or just anyone who's trying to be a better professional, I'm like, yo, you need to hang around people who know more than you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you need to, to to not be so insecure that when you're in the room with someone smarter or at least someone who's smarter when it comes to this one particular thing than you that like, yo, you can't. You, you can't be intimidated by that. You got to learn from it, right? And so the same thing applies to like parenthood and other things in our life, right? That aren't business related. Like 
I keep these amazing fathers around and stuff like uh, and stuff like that. And the these people in my circle, because, yo, I, I learn from them. You know what I mean? Like they lift me up and I hopefully lift them up and inspire them as, uh, as well. And so they make me a better father um, and, and in some cases make me a better husband. So, um, you know, it, I mean, I know that's a lot. But this little book, man, I hope I hope does. I've seen my music do a lot for people over the years and, and hear some amazing stories. Um, you know, I, I recently sent a fan like an autograph hat and and they just like that, like sent me like a tearful uh, like they they were teared up wow. just talking about like, how you know. And so I recognize that. What what I'm doing and it's not it's not the hat that like created the emotion, it's what I've put into my music over the years and, right. and what I represent as an artist. And so this book is no different. You know, I, I need it to be a reflection of, uh, of what I built my career on and what, uh, and what more importantly, what we've built our family around, you know what I mean? Like this piece that we're pushing this, uh, this, uh, you know, this, uh, not necessarily just education in the traditional sense, but just, trying to trying to lift people up give them a different point of view maybe show them some things we don't see enough of and just remind them that yo it's real it's out here you know what i mean i'm i'm this isn't some make believe thing or whatever that you know this is real this is this is our day to day life and and hopefully it inspires some folks you know absolutely man wow man so we we're, we're like we've we spent i feel like at least an hour already and I I can't stop without asking you about the soundtrack, right? Which okay. actually comes with the book. Now, I know it's comprised of previously released and new music. Tell mm-hmm. me how you decided on which songs from your catalog you would choose for the project. And uh, tell me, like, like, what the new records are that you added to the project. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, I knew that I had a decent amount of songs where um, I've rapped about my experience as a father. Right. Um, being a, being a black man in this country and being a father. And um, and so I wanted to grab a lot of those songs, uh, including the song that inspired the book and put them together on a project. Um, you know, that would really just kind of showcase like my growth and my progression as a dad, um, you know, and just like, you know, I, I say some sometimes how like, you know, best job on the planet. It's like also the most difficult job mm-hmm. on the planet. Right. Mm-hmm. And but I want it for me. I feel like fatherhood isn't isn't celebrated the same way that motherhood is. And it's and, you know, and I think we spend so much time talking about like bad fathers that we don't celebrate the good ones enough. You know what I mean? And and then even when we do have good ones in the picture, a lot of times, man, you know, uh, you know, I talk about it on the song Dedicated and Driven, rocking the shirt now. But like I talk about it where I say, uh, you know, um, how. Ain't about what we're given. Um, like I say something about whether it's a big piece of chicken or vegan burger with all the uh oh, it was like uh all the um all the world's greatest dad mugs, all the ties and world's greatest dad mugs were given 
or big piece of chicken or vegan burger with all the fixings, right? Like, you know, a lot of the, not all of the time, but there are plenty of times where a lot of the gifts that fathers are given a lot of times are very trivial and not like, you know, not always so heartfelt. Um, unless we're talking about the more creative ones and stuff like, uh, that sometimes families come together and do, but like, you know, I, I, as someone who grew up with, um, a single mother, like I think of the different things that I've done for my mom. Right. And, and I could honestly say like, just growing up, uh, growing up, I don't know if I would have put that much thought and care into what I gave my father. And that's mainly because dads are kind of, you know, I think some people's image of fathers is stoic, serious, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but like, I'm a playful dad. I play with my kids a lot. I, you know, whether it's playing video games with my older daughter or whatever, like, and, and I think sometimes that daughter, that daughter, uh, father relationship is a bit different too, where you love up on them a, a bit more, where, with sons, a lot of times people are so concerned that their son's going to be too soft, so they try to toughen them up. But I think that sometimes translates into not maybe doing as much as we would do for moms, for mm. dads, because we don't want dad to think we soft, <laughs> right? Or That's deep, I don't though. Know. Like, it's layered, man. Like, w- when you think mm-hmm. about it, like, you know, from childhood, like, you think about even how, you know, boys are treated and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then another thing that is something I used to think about heavily when I was, when I, uh, right before I became a father, um, or I should say, right before my daughter was, my first daughter was born, was just like when I looked at the world and how, and how the world kind of publicly treats dads, right? Mm. And, and so this was before, like at the time, I, there weren't any family bathrooms right like you see that now and that's a popular thing now where you go into certain spaces and it says like family bathroom right or Mm -hmm. family room um but most places at one point in time and not even that long ago i'm talking about still 2000s right you go into a place and it'd be like men's room or no it'd be ladies room men's room mother's room right right and so (laughs) i walked into a place one time i walked in uh baby's eyes and when i saw that you know, after I came from the bathroom, I went back to the front and I asked the lady while she was talking to my wife, I was like, hey, where's the father's room? And then and all the women laughed. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but I'm serious. I was like, I was dead ass. I was like, yo, no, I'm serious. Where the father's room? And like and then, you know, and, and the lady starts to explain. I was like, no, nah, I get it. I was like, but what happens the day I come in here with my daughter and my wife ain't here? Right. Mm. And then my daughter need to get changed. I'm supposed to take her to that nasty ass men's room that clearly I don't care much about because most of the people who come in here are women. Most of the people who work here are women. And when I walk into the bathroom, you know, I can tell ain't a whole lot of care in this room. (laughs) But that's where I'm supposed to change my kid. That's where I'm supposed to do all of the things that a mother is expected to do. Right. But if mom ain't there, I'm expected. I'm like, I, I'm supposed to do the exact same thing, but I don't get a space to do it in. So people don't think about what that translate, how that translates to people who may be potential fathers someday. Right. Like which like we a lot of times are training ourselves and future generations on uh, how to perpetuate certain stereotypes that ultimately don't benefit 
couples and families, right? Like create more strain about whose role is what. Yo, y'all both had a kid. It's both y'all role to provide for that kid. Right. It's both of your roles to to nurture that child. Nurturing doesn't automatically fall on the mother and, pro- and providing doesn't automatically fall on the father. So we we balance that out in our home a, a lot. Uh, you know, we we take turns cooking. We take turns reading to the um, to our daughter, mm-hmm. um, you know, and all of these different things. And yeah, man, like so a lot of the music that was created over the years deals with a lot of those things that I witnessed and a lot of these things. And, and basically, man, I just want to I try to celebrate fatherhood as much as possible because I'm thinking of all the people coming up behind me. Um, I'm trying to give them what I didn't necessarily have. Right. They, there wasn't a whole lot of people out here like making, you know, sh- well, shout out to um, the homies I grew up with. Their fathers made fatherhood look dope. And, and I think that's part of the reason why I'm the father I am. But for the most part, it, it just it just didn't look like the business unless we were watching the Cosby show. And we know how that ended. And so, <laughs> you know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. Shout, shout out to Cosby. But uh, yeah, man. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the motivation behind like picking those older songs and stuff like that. And then um, leading up to the newer ones. Got it. Got it. Now, Dedicated and Driven, is that like one of the new songs? Yeah, for sure. It's a uh, matter of fact, the video, by the time this video is live, the music video uh, should be out. Um, and that's actually directed and um, edited and illustrated by uh, my wife. So shout out to her. Uh, she's actually a film student and, uh, you know, been been putting in the work to, to, you know, do her thing. You know what I mean? I ain't saying she's going to be the next Ava, but she's going to be doing <laughs> something. I'm trying to be this uh, stay at home husband, bro. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um uh, yeah, man. But um, Dedicated and Driven is the uh, second single from the project. Dedicated and Driven breaks down the dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and basically, um, you know, I just wanted I wanted an anthem like uh, yeah, for the dads. You know what I mean? And um, and that was the goal, man. And um, unfortunately, one of the homies uh, who, who was a big fan over the years, like I met him because he was a fan of the music and we ended up becoming friends. Um uh, Shout out to my man, Eric Powell, uh, senior. He um, passed away this past year, right around the time I was planning this project out. Right, sorry. And so, um, yeah, I appreciate it, man. But shout out to his son, ELPJ, um, really, really talented uh, um, artist and really just great brother from from this area. Um, He, um, you know, his passing... Like I think about him a lot because I would talk. We we when we weren't talking hip hop, we were talking about our kids. Right, right. That was it. You know what I mean? And um, and this dude was an amazing father, man. And so like um, you know, seeing brothers like that, like you know, I want them to be able to have songs that they can play like around their babies. That like I mean, yo, there's a million songs about how crappy a lot of our fathers were. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like you know. It's, you know where where's the anthem for the, the, the where's the where's the anthems for the people doing what they supposed to do right, right. you know what i mean because we love the shit on the people who ain't doing what they supposed to do that's easy like there's man there's no shortage of those songs but like i feel like we get into this bad habit um i used to see it in the school system all the time when they talk about like positive reinforcement um like um you know um when you're celebrating positive behaviors, a lot of times adults uh, from a certain era would sometimes say things like, 
you know, why am I, why am I, why am I giving them a reward for doing what they're supposed to be doing? Um, like, well, I mean, you know, when they do something they're not supposed to do, they get something, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So if they do something that they're supposed to do and they do it well, why wouldn't they get something? There's right, a consequence right. when they don't do what they're supposed to do. So then what do they get for doing the right thing? Because if we don't get in this habit of celebrating certain things that we want more people to do, then ultimately they're like, yo, it don't seem like you give a shit if I or pay attention to me when I when I do the right thing. So if I want your attention, maybe I got to go the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like people don't think that and I don't really feel like people think that through. So yeah, like it's reactionary what, at times and, and you really mm-hmm. got to. Look at it from the child's perspective or the child's point of view. Yeah. For sure. Wow. For sure, man. So on the song Dedicated and Driven, you 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 have a line uh where you say people speak people speak to your children but treat you like they don't see you. And you know, I know you're talking like from a father's perspective. And mm-hmm. that is an unfortunate reality, right? So that happens at times. Uh can mm-hmm. you speak about your experience and what has helped you to be resilient as an honorable father, despite some of the, you know, societal obstacles that good dads may face. Like how have you been resilient Mm -hmm. through all of the pressures and, you know, the obstacles spoken about? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I just remind myself who I'm doing it for, right? Mm. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, like, first and foremost for, for these beautiful women in my home, right? My wife and my, my kids. And so, you know, like, I, tr- I can't allow these outside forces to uh, to make me lose focus of what, what I'm really supposed to be doing and who I'm doing it for every day. And so, um, so that first and foremost, and then second, the other thing I'm considering are, are, you know, are the people, uh, are the young men who look like me, who, who are eventually going to grow up to, to do hopefully the same or better. Right. For there's, I, you know, more is more is caught than, uh, than taught. So like, you know, I know there's plenty of people who are silently watching how I interact with my children and my wife day to day. And and like, you know, if they don't have certain examples in their life, then when they when they come, when they you know, when their path crosses mine, they ultimately are going to um, absorb some of what I'm the energy I give off and the example I set. And so so, you know, it's tough having the quote unquote always be on like you don't have bad days because we absolutely do. Right. But I but I recognize the importance of of uh maintaining that and you know and and i and i recognize the criticism that like sometimes you get as a a dude who's trying to be positive um more times than not because people act like you know oh they ain't real life ain't always positive and stuff like like nick we know (laughs) like you you don't think nobody knows there's more than enough music reminding us all the time that life ain't great Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like yo but some of the same people who making those songs making millions off this you know what i'm saying like you you making millions off of people trauma and the day-to-day drama that you sell so clearly your life ain't as bad as it once was Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like where those songs at you know what i'm saying it's like yo you got kids going to college and this that and the third you built you put in the wild thing, right? With people who love to try to paint hip hop as negative, even the people 
who've made negative music have done something positive <laughs> with hip hop culture because they that's how they got to the position they were in. Right. So even in the negative, there is something positive right, that has right. come from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, man, I'm just, you know, I, I mean, that's how I deal with it, man. I just recognize that uh, whether my daughters are watching me, my wife is watching me or somebody I don't know who I might have a positive influence. I know somebody's eyes is on me and that's a lot. That's a lot of weight to carry. But, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I feel like I'm built for it. So I'm, I'm going to do I'm going to do what I can. But to address that line, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think about like how, you know, I live in it's like a mid rise building or whatever, like not quite high rise. It's like maybe like seven or eight floors. But like there's a lot of there's a lot of people who who live in, in our community. Right. And so I pass people every day. And one of the things I pay attention to is who who speaks when I'm by myself versus who speaks when I have kids with me. Mm. And then the people and, and, you know, because you see the same people, whether I'm by myself or I'm with my kids. And I right. find it interesting when those people like won't speak to me or avoid eye contact with me, whether they're fearful or they like, I don't you know if they don't, I don't know if this, they don't like black people or they just scared of black people or specifically black men. Right. Um, you know, I don't know which one it is. I just know that when I'm, when I'm dolo, <laughs> when I'm out here, just, you know, Obi-Wan just <laughs> by myself, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You ain't got nothing to say. Um, and you're avoiding eye contact with me. Right. But then I walk in, I get in that elevator, I walk down the hall and I got my kids with me and you're all like making little faces, trying to interact with them and still haven't made eye contact with me. Wow. You know that's what I mean? Like that's dehumanizing, B. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy of, you know, interaction with you, like a human exchange with you. Like, and, and what bothers me when I see them do that with the kids, I'm like, yo, this kid will be my age someday you still going to be doing the same shit with adults, but then you playing with the children. Like, what is that? Yeah. You know what I mean, I don't, and I don't, and I don't think people really think when they do that. Right. right? Like, you know, um, yeah, man. Like, yeah, it's, it's definitely a pet peeve of mine and stuff. So, yeah. you know, and, and it, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's an unfortunate reality because it's, it's something that, happens you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. you know um i want to say i've experienced that you know what i'm saying like i i know mm -hmm. what it is and i appreciate that you you know put it out there you know what i'm saying in the mm -hmm. music because other people identify with it you know what i mean i definitely resonated with it um the song make it home you have a line where you are also speaking from the perspective of a responsible father where you say, wishing I was home more, but I got to keep the lights on, working several jobs and still trying to find the time to write songs. Can you speak to how you've been able to balance work, a music career, being a pleasant husband and an involved father <laughs> all together? Like what, what got you to be able to balance that? Are there any principles that you use as guides to help you get through and like not lose your mind, you know? Um, yeah. Like just talk about how you're able to balance. Yeah, man. Uh, um, great question. Um, and yeah, man. And shout out to you for uh, taking notice of that song. That's one of the newer joints on the project. 
that one, man, like, so that, so <laughs> that whole situation of, of balancing all of those things, the one thing that I notice with what most of us do, when it comes to your job, you got your, your you got a whole schedule. Your day is mapped out. You know exactly what you're supposed to be doing at your job and when you're supposed to be doing. And if you don't know, you got a supervisor who reminds you. Right. Right, right. That's the average person. But a lot of folks don't necessarily schedule out their day outside. Pardon me. They don't necessarily schedule their day outside of work. Right. Like so. You know, they like they know that they got to get up a certain time or whatever, maybe to get the kids to school, this, that and the third will pick them up and such and such got this game on this day and other one got. But like what I bring this up because the successful couples that I know, like some of the couples who seem to kind of have it together, like you, there's a plan, <laughs> right? They ain't just there's moments where they might be just kind of, you know, oh, I'll get to that when I get to it. But for the most part, like, you know, everyone is on the same page in terms of what is supposed to be happening when. Right. And um, and then you can leave room for the free time where you just, hey, I'm just do something else. Right. But um, but I feel like when I got to that point in my life where I really uh, and you know, shout out to my partner because we would have these scheduled conversations. We still do, um, like uh, from time to time. But, but yeah, man, we got it set up right now where, like, you know, Alexa will come on every few minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let us know, if, like, time to pick up uh, Destiny from daycare. It's time for Destiny's bath, bedtime. Nice. Boom, boom, boom. Like, you know, uh, it it's, it pops up on the phone. It pops up on like the little vocal thing. It pops up on my watch. <laughs> it just keeps it keeps everything flowing like you know a well old machine. You know what I mean? And nice. it's that that type of dedication. Like if you were trying to run a business and make a business get off the ground, like that level of organization and making sure everybody is playing their position that's what folks do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for, for companies, right. Why wouldn't you do that in your personal life? Definitely. Like why? you know what I mean? Like what are the benefits of being able to keep everybody organized and on the same page and, and establishing who's going to do what, not necessarily establishing just that, okay, you only do this one thing. Maybe that's the case for some, but maybe you can figure out, okay, you doing, you doing, uh, if you doing dinner this day, that means I'm doing dinner the next day. And the night you're doing dinner, I'm doing dishes and then vice versa. So mapping all that out and being able to see it all, I'm able to figure out, all right, I got time to make music over here. Right. OK, cool. I got time for an interview. With my man Krill over here because the baby's in bed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got time for this over here. So that level of organization just allows all of that to happen. And, um, and, you know, and sometimes as an artist that can be a bit restricting and like, and can, you know, you feel a little boxed in at times, but, uh, one of my, one of my favorite quotes. And whenever I say this to creatives, yo, it's like 50, 50, like people either love it or hate it. And I love that about the quote, but, uh, Chuck close, an amazing illustrator says, he's like, yo, he says, um, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just get up and go to work. Mm. Yeah, that's the most gangster shit I've ever heard, yo. And and the reason why I love that quote, uh, quote is because people talk to me about like 
about how, yo, you seem to put the art first. Yo, you seem to be like, you know what I mean? Like your stuff's inspirational. Just like, I don't think a good majority of people hear what I do and think of it like I'm a very, like they might see my career and be like, oh, he's very business minded. But I don't think people hear the music and think that I'm really kind of this like dude who cares about the business as much as I care about the art form, right, the right. love be and all that. Like, I don't think people listen to my stuff like that. But the, but the thing is, man, like, you know, I'm from that Bruce Lee school of thought is like, yo, what do you call it? He called it natural unnaturalness or unnatural naturalness. The mm-hmm. idea that I'm going to do this thing that I enjoy doing or that I like I'm passionate about, but I'm going to do it in a way that I kind of like I've, I've done it so much that it almost feels like I'm, I'm walking that line of being a machine, but it still feels natural. Mm. And that's kind of how I built my career, where it's like, yo, if you hit me up and say we got a deadline for a joint, I'm not going to hit you back or and be like, oh, well, uh, no inspiration hit me like <laughs> Like I couldn't write the song, or I could, and there's plenty of people who do that, and I'm not here to fault them, to fault them. But motherfucker, I got to provide for these babies, dog. Right, right. And I'm, right. and I'm, and I'm blessed that I'm at a point, considering how little press my music gets, considering, you know, people ain't, you know, I'm not the first name to come up with certain opportunities come up. The fact of the matter is, there's a, there's, there's a ton of artists who get 20 to 30 times the press I get and opportunities that I get. And I still make the same money as them or more, right? Because of how I work and because of all of this other stuff that ain't nobody talking about or covering that people just don't know. Mm. But it's like, yo, it's, it's that, that ability to, to work and, and really go about this shit in a professional way while still upholding the art in the truest sense. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And so, um, and so, yeah, man, that, that's how I make all of that work. And that's, you know, I mean, hell, man, I get less press in my career right now than I've ever been, than I've ever had. And I make way more money uh, doing this shit than I did at the time where I was on, <laughs> I was on MTV, all of these other stuff, touring the world on a regular basis and doing all types of wild shit. And it's just like, yo, I make more home with the kids these days. Wow. So it's like, man, it works out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, I, I, you know? You know, and you just spoke volumes to, you know, what has led to you being successful, man. And I I think, you know, what I've gotten, what I've taken away from what you said is like just being organized and scheduled. And, you know, you know, if you say you're going to do something, you put the wheels in motion, you know, or the plan in motion to execute that. And that's easier said than done. But it's dope when you can actually see it through. Like what 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 like let's just say you do get into those moments where you might be lacking that inspiration, right? Like what mm-hmm. is it that like pushes you over to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this happen. Like, is there something that comes to mind? Like what are some like motivating factors that come up? So all right, so this is where I say some things that's probably going to make fans feel a certain way, but I'm going <laughs> to keep it a buck. I, some of the songs that fans love from me the most, I feel like I feel like are some of my least. Uh, they're they're not really the the best examples of what I can do. 
right? Wow. That's how I feel. They love it. And I'm like, that's great. That man, look, I wrote like, yeah, that that shit's cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. But it wasn't, I don't, I don't, and, and that's just keeping it a buck, man. Like when you right, look at right. some of my top stream songs, there's maybe like two of like maybe my top 10 um, stream songs or three that I really feel like are great examples of what I can do um, or, or are the best examples of what I can do. Um, and that being said, so let me be clear on how I feel about what I can do. I keep it a buck. There is there is very few artists I've ever heard in my life that I feel like are doing something that I cannot do. Mm. And I'm sure there's a ton of people who disagree but I can go through my catalog and pick examples and show people like, okay, yeah, you think that's really impressive. All right. Here's an example of me doing something similar. And I'm pretty sure there's a good amount of people that if you play both four and they didn't know who I was, they say I ate his ass up, but I'm not here to debate semantics with you. Right. So knowing that, knowing that there are, there are moments where I didn't feel like I gave my best effort. And that particular thing blew up and now has millions of plays and people request that song everywhere I go, no matter where in the world I go. Right. If that's me, if that happened on an off day for me, then why the hell can't I at least try to force myself to do something? I get and the see and, right and see how it comes out, because I have examples of when I didn't necessarily put my best foot forward and it turned into something bigger than I ever could have imagined. You know, like, I mean, hell, man, my most streamed song is an instrumental uh, um, closing. (laughs) That joint has nine million plus streams, right? Bro, like, I wasn't even going to put that on streaming platforms. I just made that as the ending of my my show with the homies. My boy came through, was like, yeah, that's the beat we should use. And then I hit up my man Malcolm Jackson to come through and and he uh, added some percussion. He played, uh, I think he played marimba or vibes on it i can't remember but um he added that and that made me love the beat way more than i loved it before right right but when but when i put it out bro like i didn't do a whole marketing campaign because i felt like this was the best thing i ever did and then the next thing you know i mean that beat bro yeah man like in the 2018 that 9.9 and a quarter million plays like you know i mean so what i've learned is that like Yo, sometimes it's good to just get it out yes. because what you what you think is going to be your best thing, there's going to be a bunch of people who disagree. No matter no matter how good it is, no matter how there's some there's people out here that think to pimp a butterfly is trash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like That's that crazy. that joint is a it's a yeah, work yeah. of art, dog. Right, right. And so. You know, people are always going to be divided. So go into like, so when I create, I know that and I accept that. And, right, right. and I allow, and that, and that allows me to kind of push to the side this whole, oh, I want this line to be. And then especially when you start working in a professional setting where you're doing like video game work and other things, I'll be writing stuff that I know they don't care about or, or are going to catch in clever lines. And then, like, I put all this time into writing some shit that, like, the homies are going to think is amazing. And maybe some of my fans who know I'm more lyrical will appreciate just for them to come back and be like, yeah, we want to scrap this part, that part, this part. And then maybe could you throw, like, a good example is the PUBG Mobile. 
can you throw ch- winner, winner, chicken dinner in there for us? Because a lot of the characters say that, and that's a part of the culture of the game. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? And so understanding that, like, in certain settings, I'm, I'm not going to do that for my personal project, right? Right, right, right. But, but in this professional setting for this particular thing, I'm I'm supposed to create something that people who are familiar with this thing right. can appreciate yeah. and I got to help them get into it. And so so if that requires me to say that something I'd never say that I don't even think I say in real life. <laughs> OK, sorry. Right. It's cool. I'll be all right. right, right <laughs> you know right, what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it man, it totally makes sense, man. You know, you know, as you as you spoke about that, I, it this thing that keeps coming up is this for me is like this idea of being a perfectionist. Right. And mm-hmm. I've learned that it's more important to give it your best shot and get it out as opposed yeah. to trying to be so much of a perfectionist that you never end up putting it out. Right. Or by the time you do put it out, it's like you wasted so much energy and you don't get mm-hmm. the result that you thought you would have gotten and you might have gotten a better result in terms of a response if you just put it out in the simple way that you initially thought of. So, you you know, you mm-hmm. spoke volumes to that whole concept. Um, and yeah, man, that, that's so that's so crazy when you think, you know, something is not going to do so well. And then it's like the flip of it. It ends up doing really well. It ends up being received really well, like an instrumental right. of all things. Right. Not not there aren't not that I'm like knocking people who do beats like there's some great, you know, mm-hmm. beat makers. Right. But like to say, like one instrumental has so much streams like that's mm-hmm. amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a there's a line I say in this song that I'm putting out in August. Um Oh, what did I, how's it go? The song's called Say Less, right? And um, how does the joint go? Uh, it was like the moment I said less, my streaming spike, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> so it's nice just line. like the moment I start putting my beats out, like I went from, I think maybe end of 2017 after I put out um, The Past Is Always Present in the Future, uh, which I believe is one of my best uh, projects, right. you know? Um after putting that out, I think by the end of that year, I was averaging like maybe 9,000 monthly listeners after wow. that project. And that's with like, I had like a, a whole campaign with Ford. My music was in an Uber commercial, like all types of opportunities. All this stuff happening. I'm at like 9,000 monthly listeners. Wow, Bro, I, I dropped my first in, instrumental project the following year. And by, by May... Or yeah, by May when that joint came out, I I was over a hundred thousand monthly listeners off wow. the instrumentals. Then the the other one comes out, and then I was at like fluctuating between two hundred to three hundred thousand monthly listeners for wow. the whole for the whole period of time for for nearly a three year period. And then, um, and, then, and now I'm at about like fifty thousand mm. or whatever monthly listeners. So like, yeah. it's crazy, man. Like you know the instrumental how the instrumental game has um changed over the years and yeah. stuff like you know people's like, oh you're gonna be shopping your beats i was like no nah, i'm just i'm making beats that i'm just gonna put out for people to just vibe to yeah. and if some people want to buy some beats cool 
<laughs> but like, but yeah, but please believe the prices are stupid. Hitting Bama's over the head because I'm like, hey man, this beat will do these type of numbers and make this type of money whether you rap to it or not. So right, why right. would I give it to you for like next to nothing? Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, the beat tape scene has grown enormously, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to take for granted. Like, there it is. It is. A, it is definitely a scene of its own, and I definitely mm-hmm. see interest in that man so i'm glad that you were able to capitalize on that i wanted to ask you about one more song on the soundtrack uh the song is called wish you were here featuring stephanie gale Mm. such a dope but emotional song the Mm -hmm. first verse is sounds like it's a letter of gratitude to your deceased father that you Mm -hmm. certainly miss and you could correct me if i'm wrong it seems like it's that's the real thing right um Mm -hmm. Can you share one of the most valuable lessons you've learned from your father that resonates with you even more as you continue to grow as a man? Yeah, so my my relationship with my dad was very much a flawed one, right? Like where um, I miss my dad probably in a uh, in a like. When people hear that song, it might come across like the relationship that my father and I had was better uh, than it actually was. Mm. And that's mainly because it's just like I'm at peace with it. You know, what Ah, I mean, in terms of what the situation is. Right. And so um, so like my my pops was around for like when I was uh, little, um, you know, maybe to like I was like four or five years old Him and my mom um, split like it was a real bad situation like, you know, not knife being pulled out him coming out the house bloody like yo it was real like mom was little but she wasn't for the she wasn't for the shits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, but uh, yeah, man. And um, he came back by the time I was like nine. But uh, by that time he was diagnosed with um, esophageal cancer. And so um so the doctor said uh, that they didn't think he had much time to live. He ended up living a bit longer than they expected. But by the time I was 10, um, he had passed away. So so um, all the uh, interactions I had with him, though, were like very stressful because he was um, he was definitely he was he was he's a tough guy right like i mean his dudes you know everybody called him sunny but his other nickname was tank that's the tattoo i got on my arm it's just tank and like you know he was this dude when he was healthy like 63 240 you know what i mean like people used to be scared to knock on our door uh, door because my father was so intimidating or whatever i used to get get my ass beat for like basic shit dog if i ain't hang up my pants right like the inseams weren't lined up catch them hands though like mm. yeah it wasn't it wasn't i don't have all the the, the greatest memories i have Got certain it. memories that were but anyway the thing that sticks with me the most is probably another one that's not necessarily a positive thing but there's uh there's a lesson in everything with somebody i can't remember who said it but it was like it's a lesson in everything even a bullet mm. and so um yo and it was basically uh because i'm a visual artist as well as a musician and um it was uh there was a time where I did a drawing um uh, based on a drawing that my brother did and I was trying to um create my version of it and my brother's older than me by like 15 years, right? And so I show it to my dad and my dad, like this is this is a direct quote, dog. He was like, Boy, you can't draw. 
your brother, your brother can draw, but you can't draw. That that stuck with me to this day, to the wow. point where I probably think about that like once a month. And um, and it stuck with me for a lot of different reasons. Number one, you know, when I was a kid, like your dad, your parents in general, like your heroes. Right. So. Right. So, you know, for your hero to basically look you in the face and tell you you ain't shit. <laughs> it's like, God damn, yeah. you cold, mm. you know? So, um, so yeah, so that shit hurt, right? Like, it hurt. Like, even when I think about it now, it's like I'm 42 years old and that shit still bothers me. Right, right. Um, but, like, but, you know, the thing, the lesson that I got from it, man, he, he turned me, I think, how I'm able to work and crank out results in certain situations and really like I'm a per I feel like I'm an artist that people forget about right um there there was a I think it was rapreviews.com wrote some shit about me years ago where they said they compared me to the Baltimore Ravens they were like yo the Ravens at this point in time when um and I don't really watch football anymore not really I don't watch football at all anymore but um, at this point in time where he said that line, he was like, Ravens are a team that's uh, consistently so good that you forget they're good. Mm. And they all and they always make the playoffs, always make the playoffs and most of the time make the championship game mm. um, at this point in time in their career. But they don't win Super Bowls and people forget about them. And like, and he basically described me as that type of artist. He's like, he's an artist that's consistently putting out good work and has certain accolades, but because he hasn't gone become big and done the thing that everybody feels like in order for you to be a successful artist, that like, it's like in the NBA, if you ain't got a ring, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you could be throwing, doing triple doubles every day. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, he ain't got a ring though. You know, so, um, so yeah, that attitude to become that like that particular type of artist to to like to be doubted all the time or be forgotten about and be looked over, passed up, and all of these other things you could say, um, you have to have thick skin, right? Yeah. Like the reason why I'm able to keep going and thrive, and even when people aren't always checking for me like that, or maybe just don't think I'm uh, worthy of the attention. Like, yo, it's you have to learn to not care about it's like if if you can learn to not care about what your father think about you, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what make you think I really give a fuck with, about like people who don't actually know me, right? Mm. Like, so it might annoy you a bit, but I'm able to kind of push through and get through a lot of things because of that, that reliving that moment in my head, just. You know, my dad didn't think I can draw. And then I shit fast forward when I was 18, I got accepted or 17. Well, no, I was 18. Yeah, I was 18 by the time it happened. But I ended up getting accepted to Pratt. And Pratt's like one of the top art schools. Yeah, Pratt is a hard school to get into. I wanted to go to Pratt. I didn't get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And I'm from Brooklyn. (laughs) You know. (laughs) You know. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, man. man, I went to art school and and yeah, I, I didn't get into that school. (laughs) so my plans changed you know needless to say i didn't further my degree in art (laughs) right but i mean right you know with all that you said man like i'm sorry you had to go through that but Mm -hmm. um i think i'll say one thing like i recognize you 
right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that do. But mm-hmm. I'll even say this, man. Even with all of that, like, the fact that you are making a living, you know, mm-hmm. in some way from this, and you are putting food on the table, <laughs> to me, right, right. that surpasses any accolade yeah. that I could think of. So I would say, Thank man, you, like, that right there is enough to say, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like you said earlier, you know, <laughs> you know, in the past, you know, I was getting more press, but now with less press, you know, um, I'm making more money. Like mm-hmm. that is to me, that is the epitome of arrived. You know what I mean? And of course you want to be recognized more, but like mm-hmm. when you can say, look, man, my family is eating off of this. To me, that's like the ultimate man. So, I think you have achieved a great amount of success despite what anyone might think, you know, because of that notoriety, man. And it's something I struggle with too, man, because I've been doing out the box for over a decade, you know, and I still find it difficult to get some of the bigger names, you know, and I've been doing it for such a long time. You know, some of the artists that I've interviewed in the past, it's harder to get them now. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if I didn't love what I do, I would have given up a long time ago. Um, I still have a ways to go. Um, but, um, yeah, man, I think when you are dedicated to something that um, resonates with you and it, it, it brings joy to you and, you know, happiness, you know, you continue to do it regardless of the accolades. And eventually, you know, if you put your plan in place, you know, and you, you're organized enough and you do things the right way, you get to eat off of it as well. So, you know, man, sure. thank you. Thank you for, um, you yeah. know, sharing that. So um, before we close out, the last track on the soundtrack is called A Serene Dedication. And I believe that's one of the oh. newer tracks as well. That's the instrumental. Yeah, um, Serene Destination. Destination. Oh, I'm sorry. I said it wrong. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's no A problem. Serene Destination. Thank you for correcting me on that. Um, so it's an instrumental track. Uh, talk to me about what inspired you to produce that and why did you, you know, why did you think it made sense to kind of close out the album with? Yeah, um, I knew that with, even though the bulk of the project was going to be, uh, you know, have tracks with me rapping, I knew that because I've been working so hard on getting my production chops up, um, that I wanted to have at least one, uh, one instrumental in there. And I figured, why not close with the record, have it kind of be a reflective thing. Um, and thing that, and, and it's something that feels maybe feels kind of, uh, sad. Um, a little, but it's not so much that it's sad. It's just, it's really like, yo, like, I really want you to kind of process all that I've said. Right. And like, And this is just kind of like, you know, I think of the African-American museum and how you go through um, when you go to the bottom of the museum and you see all of the hardships that we faced once we got to the Americas. um, When you come out of that area, they have um, the MLK reflection pool. Right. And it's so you can decompress when you come out of that um, that journey, because this project, even though um not all of these songs are necessarily like heavy dark or like traumatic and different things like that there's things in it 
that like, you know, like the line we talked about, you know, about like people who interact with folks, children, but don't acknowledge the person, um, you know, that that fathered those children. Right. Mm. Um, that that's, you know, when we played the music video for that song uh, for our cousin, man, she she said she was like, yo, it's beautiful. I actually, you know, cried and like she was like, it actually made me sad for like you know, black dads, you know what I mean? Like, and that wasn't my intent. Like it's, it's really meant to be like a, a anthem and a call to arms for, for dads. You know what I mean? You, yeah. unite. <laughs> you know, like, um, but, but yeah, like it's had, it's had that effect for some people. And so that track is just, it's a tribute to both of my daughters, hence the title, a serene destination, serenity, destiny, uh, my children's names. Um, and it's just like, yo, it's just me reflecting on everything that I had to go through to get to the point where I could be worthy um, of the title of father um, mm-hmm. and, and and be worthy of having them in my life and and uh, and, you know, and having the privilege of being able to raise two amazing children. So so it's not I didn't want something that felt sappy and like kind of. Um, overproduced or too upbeat and stuff like that. I wanted something that basically still kind of feels good, but feels a little somber because, yo, like my journey, I think sometimes when you're an artist who's positive and, and you you make music like I make, people just act like I ain't, you know, I ain't come from the mud. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. you know, like like my my journey was this this easy shit just because I'm not always rapping about how fucked up life uh, has been, right? Like, um, and so, um, you know, but yeah, man, but this journey has been long and hard, man. Like it's it's been really, really crazy. And so, I mean, that's been like, uh, you know, sidebar real quick. The dopest thing about working with kids and stuff in the past, um, especially when I was, when I had my one-on-one time, like to talk with them or when I speak to like groups of them that had certain experiences, um, kind of like the time when I was in Chicago at uh, at Cook County um, Detention Center, talking to a lot of the youngins who were locked up, you know, just telling them about my experience growing up, you know, and just like, even though I hadn't been locked up and stuff like that, just some of the stuff I worked, witnessed firsthand, seeing people uh, like murdered in front of me and, and having certain experiences and being shot at myself mm. and all of this wild stuff. And then like, but then showing them like that I was a visual artist and showing them I was a musician and then basically showing them, you know, after the, them hearing me talk about all of these accomplishments and then giving them my backstory, it's just like, they're like, yo, this dude is from a similar environment mm-hmm. and look at his life. You know what I mean? And it's like, but more importantly, I ain't a superstar, right? Like, look at my life. And what I've been able to build, and I am, and I ain't this chop, not this uh, top, you know, charting artist or whatever with, you know, like all of the the fancy shit. Like I ain't got all of that, mm-hmm. but it's like, but bro, I got stability, and I and I got I got kids that know who I am and love me, right? And I got I got a wife who like you know would you know, virtually do anything, not just for me, before our kids and stuff. And we got a business together. Something we got a we built a legacy, right. something that's gonna live on right. forever. So yeah, man, I think um, you know, it's it's amazing how something that's so kind of simple and stripped down, which that beat is, can kind of I feel like can convey all of that. You know what I mean? Like when I made that beat, when I found that sample and I chopped it the way I did, um 
I was like, man, I really don't want to add too much right, <laughs> to right, this right. because because I really feel like it captured a lot of it made like, man, I just I had that beat on loop for a very long time, just really reflecting on my journey. And um, and uh, so I named it after the babies. And then uh, the dopest thing, though, is hearing my youngest daughter when when I played it in the car, I turned the beat off and I heard her humming it. That shit right there, man. Wow, yeah. Yeah. That 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 that, that as dope. we said earlier, that hit different. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? I like yeah, it. That hit different. That's a yeah, nice man. way to end, man. Thank you so yeah. much for taking your gracious time. I mean, we've been here for <laughs> over two hours. Uh, but I'm I'm very um humbled and, and appreciative of you taking the time to talk with me tonight uh about this new book and just you know the aspects of your career that you know um has led to where you are today um before we get out of here can you tell us what else is in store like i know we're like in the middle of 2021 but i just feel like you got some other stuff coming oh man <laughs> um so let the folks know um what else might be in store and also tell them where they can find you you know you know you know online whether your website sure. or you know social media pages yeah for sure um the main sites to check out my 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 official website is iamsubstantial.com um or you can check out my band uh bandcamp page substantial.bandcamp.com um the book uh is available there um for my business uh subartandmusic.com uh, remember, um, as I mentioned before, we're a consulting company. We help a lot of um, uh, different types of creatives, whether you're a visual artist and musician or you have a small business. Um, you know, we're just about we're artists helping artists, man, just helping build up um, our artist community and give them the tools they need. And um, so as far as things I got coming up, let's see, what can I talk about? Um, there is still a few unreleased video game tracks that I've done. Um, I don't know when they're dropping, but uh, but I'm sure I'll be posting about them as they are released. Um, there is a collab project that I did. Uh, you listen, man, you'll, you'll, you'll get it first. I did announce it during my last virtual concert, but uh, but your space will be the first public space. I'm sharing this information. But um, but me and the homie Funky DL legendary uh london mc and producer have a, a four track ep coming out uh where he did all the beats and i do all the rhymes um uh he basically asked me for a bunch of acapellas and he remixed uh several of my tracks two of which i think yeah two of which came out um and and then two that are unreleased so it's going to be two songs that no one's heard uh for the most part unless you are on patreon um, so yeah, that's super exciting. It's called We Met in Tokyo. Um, and so that's coming out, uh, in August, late August. Um, I'm also, uh, working on, um, uh, Katie Fox's, uh, her, she's an illustrator, amazing, um, illustrator, but we have a project where she has a manga called Animal Arithmetic and, um, and I'm producing a album where it's mostly going to be instrumentals and then it's going to be at least one or two songs with me uh, doing my thing. Um, but that's coming, uh, I think, in late summer, early fall. Nice. And, um, and I've been working on my solo album, Adulting, 
for quite some time. Mm. Um, yeah, like technically Make It Home was from adulting. Um, what I've been saying was from adulting as well. So I've been leaking songs from it okay. uh, just just to keep people, you know, like, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still right, here. right, right. Right. But uh, so, yeah, so that's coming as well, man. Um, I got most of the beats. I think I got a, maybe like two or three beats left to do. But uh, most of the beats are done. Um, some of the rhymes are written already, but um, but I just kind of got new motivation to really just kind of go back in, um, not just on the beats, but like I really plan on putting my foot in in all in all in asses, man. In terms of these bars, man, I just you know, so I, I just want to go back and make sure that I'm I'm not bullshitting with the bars and not yeah. coasting through these joints, you know. So I've been taking my time with it. Do you think we'll get a winter breaks three by the end of the year? Um, <laughs> Uh, definitely not. Uh, well, not I won't say year, definitely. Right? Yeah. Um, it, it, it wasn't on the itinerary. Sure, you know what sure. I mean? But, but I won't, I won't say no. <laughs> you, you, you probably, you won't hold us to another six years of winter breaks, right? Nah, I won't make y'all wait that long, man. Right, but, cool. um, I will say this though. Listen, one of the, I appreciate honest criticism from fans but what they don't realize sometimes, man, is um, and I appreciate the love you giving the project, right? But for the people who still love the first one better than the second, which is a natural thing, uh-huh. it's more so I have an issue with people who always say that the first project is the best, right? And and the issue I have with that because sometimes that is true. I like the second I, better, and I I guess not to cut you off, but I have sure. to be honest. I wasn't even really familiar with the first one. It just made me go back to it when I heard the second one. Mm, um, right. But in I just resonate with the second one more. But go ahead, sure. I digress. Sure. Yeah, but like there's this pattern that you see in in music in general right, where right. people almost always like the old stuff better than the newer stuff and they feel like the artist is progressively i feel like that is sometimes the most cliche thing that um people can say you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and and i expect it but even though i don't kind of harp on those things too much the one thing that does that like i said to a fan one time and it made them sad and i was like well i mean based on what you're saying i don't need to make any more of that like if you if you like the first one and you right. don't think and right. i've literally seen people say publicly yeah i don't think they're going to ever top that i was like okay now based on what you're saying i need even i never need to do that again right right that makes sense that makes sense right and and so I mean, luckily, there was it got enough feedback that, um, yeah, people were really blown away by it. Um, but there was still a good amount of the audience that prefers the first, which we kind of knew going in. So I ain't tripped too much. But but um, but yeah, but I think before we do part three, I think what we're going to probably do is maybe. Um, so what might happen this year, fingers crossed, is what might happen. We might package both the uh, original and the uh the second one um together uh for a vinyl release and maybe a cd if if people actually want um but definitely vinyl (laughs) and 2021 bonus tracks (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i'm just throwing it well we'll see that's not a bad idea maybe that's how we we sweeten the deal maybe we throw at least one or two new joints on there you know what i mean what's the deluxe version without a bonus track come on you're right you're right hey man listen so if it happens and when it happens the world has you to thank oh you know what i mean wow 
<laughs> Appreciate that, brother. Listen, no man, problem. thank you so much again. Again, I want to wish you all the best in success, Likewise. man. Like, I want to tell folks out there, as we have Father's Day coming up, this book is a perfect book to get, you know, the She Sees Children's book and the actual album. Now, I just want to be clear. The the digital, can you kind of run down, like, what comes with what? Like, if, I know that if you buy the digital album, it comes with the digital book. Like, mm-hmm. how does how does the purchases work? Do you, if you, like, break that down to me. If you if you purchase sure. the physical book, does it also come with the digital album? How, do, how is it yeah. set up on Bandcamp? Right. So if you purchase on Bandcamp, and it's, it's really, you know, got to put an asterisk by, by Bandcamp. If you purchase it on Bandcamp, you will get um, automatically, you will get the soundtrack for fatherhood um, project uh, as a digital download. And you will also get the ebook version of um, She Sees, right? And then you will get the book in the mail, um, you know, uh, maybe like two weeks uh, after because we're, we're signing them and then all of that stuff. So it's, uh, you know, our hope is that uh, folks can, we can get most of these out before Father's Day. Right, right. But the, the mail's moving really slow, man. So yeah. um, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, but if you purchase through Bandcamp, you buy the book through Bandcamp, you will get the ebook and the digital album. Um, it's a bit trickier for us to do that through our website. So we're just telling people who want yeah. the extras, all the bells and whistles to go through Bandcamp. Dope, dope. Now, let me ask you, if you buy the digital album, does it come with the digital book or you have to buy the physical book to come? Great question. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you buy the digital album um, and you don't buy the book, if you just buy the digital album, you will get the ebook um, um, included in the download of the album. Man, that's a sweet deal, man. Like. Folks, and the the digital album is like the digital album is not even that expensive, even mm-hmm. though I think you know if you really want to get the real deal. Not, not saying that the ebook isn't the real deal, but the physical book is the way to go because you'll still yeah. get the ebook and you'll get the digital album. Look, man, you you can't lose. So this and it's episode, a hardcover book too. It's a hardcover. Oh my! It's goodness. a hardcover book. It ain't even the little you know paperback joint. Like Dope. we 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 invested to make this as authentic as possible. It's like we know it's our first time out, and you know, and I've seen a lot of people do books before and stuff like that, and we just wanted to make sure our ours was comparable to anything else in your children's library. You know what I mean? Right. And and that was important to us. You know. Dope, dope, man. I was trying to see if I could get the link to the Bandcamp that I would that way I can put it up on the screen. Um, I got you. Yeah, if you can do that, that would be awesome. So folks can um you know see that. But yeah, go make sure y'all go to Bandcamp and support my brother right here, man. Doing some amazing stuff. Appreciate um, you, man. Yes. Here, here you go. So this is the Bandcamp page, um as you guys see on the screen. Do you have the link? Um, yeah, I just threw it in the uh, chat. The oh, the chat. chat. Okay. So let me see if I can. Oh, yeah. Dope, dope. All right. I'm going to just, I'm going to just, I'm going to just post the, um, just because I think it's just the shorter link is like substantial.bandcamp.com, right? Yeah, um, I'll give you this short one here. This will take them directly to the, uh, the okay, merch. Boom, let's do that. So they'll see the book. I'm gonna put this one up, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I know that other joints are paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> this um 
this because this book is so so man. So I got the I got the um the link up here. You guys can see on the screen substantial.bandcamp.com. I think that if they just go to substantial.bandcamp.com, they'll get to the Bandcamp page. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, man. Again, brother, I thank you so much for again taking the time here. I know we spent a lot of time tonight, but um, all good, man. Yeah, man. All the best to you, man. And as we have Father's Day coming up, it's a perfect time if you if there's any mothers out there or. You know, even if you want to get this as a gift to someone, um, you have enough time to either purchase the physical book, which will come with the ebook, or just get mm-hmm. the digital, man. But uh, again, For man, sure. thank you again. Much success to you. I want to say to all of our viewers and listeners, Thank you for sticking with me. If you've been with me from the beginning of this interview, thank you. And um, continue to check for, you know, all the great things we got happening with Out the Box. Go to our website, outtheboxmedia.com, and subscribe to the, the website um, so you can get updated with, um, you know, be on our email list so you can get updated with all the good stuff happening with Out the Box, you know. Um, and yeah, man, till next time, we'll do another episode next Friday. I just want to say peace, love, and light. Stay focused, stay healthy, and we are out of here. Peace. Peace.